0: Book 4, Chapter 7 of Precious Bane by Mary Webb. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Open the gates as wide as the sky, and let the king come riding by. I came to myself and opened my eyes, wondering what the great trompling was, and thinking it was Bendigo got loose then i remembered that sexton had taken bendigo away so i looked to see what it might be for all the wagon horses had been taken back to plash farm for the day i looked up and straightway i thought i must have died and be now in paradise there looking down upon me from his nag with a dwelling gaze so blazing with life that if i hadn't been sure the other way i should have thought he loved me was none other than kester Woodseaves. older seeming he was a little and his face even cleaner cut than afore as if the soul had been busy chiselling at it as for his eyes all the light of heaven was in them not to speak of a very pleasant touch of the old adam they took me in from head to foot, And I was at rest. Ah, tied to the ducking-stool, In such sad case as no self-respecting woman Could choose to be seen in by any man, Let alone the man she loved. I was yet at rest. I cared for nothing now. I worried about nothing. Kester was here kester had gotten things in hand what could ail me such was my faith that though three hundred people more or less were set against me and only kester for me yet i knew that i was safe i could have turned on my side and gone to sleep on that old ducking stool as if it was a feather bed so comfortable i was in my mind well says he at last well prove my dear you be in poor case and he gave a little smile as much as to say but not for long i be i answered and my voice was all of a tremble with joy in very poor case Kester woodseves he gave a look round and then beckoned to felina she darted forward as if she was his slave Untie those, Oot, he said, pointing to the cords. As she was doing it, she whispered, I don't care what they do to me, I'll work his will, a man to die for. Is there any fellow here, friend to me enough, To catch a halt of my nag a minute, he asks. Callard called out, I will, and welcome. Afore he got off, Kester looked all round, and he says, Well, you were having a fine randy, I must say. Last time it was a little white ox. Now it's a woman whiter than Lily. I know very well who's egging you on. Some hung their heads, but most were angered to have their fun stopped. Kester went up to Grimble. You and me's had to do a do-a-four, Grimble, he says, YOU'RE TOO MEAN AND TWISTY TO BE TREATED AS A MAN. IF YOU dunna LIKE THE TREATMENT YOU GET, YOU CAN FIGHT ME ANY TIME YOU LIKE. BUT YOU'RE ONLY GOOD ENOUGH TO LAUGH AT. YOUR NOSE IS TOO LONG, GRIMBLE. IT STIRS ABOUT IN EVERYBODY'S BUSINESS. AND WITH THAT HE GAVE GRIMBLE A tremendous BLOW ON THE NOSE WITH HIS FIST. AND GRIMBLE ROARED SO, BEING A REAL COWARD, THAT THE PEOPLE COULDNA HELP BUT LAUGH. THEN KESTER WENT TO HUGLET AND HE SAID, YOU'RE ABOVE BOARD, ALL RIGHT, YOU DUNNA DO THINGS SECRET. MAN, I COULD HEAR YOU hollering EVEN TO PLASH. OOT ROSSLE? NOW, FOR ALL HE WAS SO BIG, HUGLET DIDN'T WANT TO rossel. HE HIBBERD HOVERED OVER IT A GOOD BIT, FOR HE KNEW KESTER WAS A RIGHT PROPER ROSSLER. BUT MANY OF THE PEOPLE KNEW NOTHING ABOUT KESTER, AND WOULDN'T HAVE CARED IF THEY HAD, FOR THEY ONLY WANTED A GOOD DAY'S SPORT. THIS WAS WHAT KESTER HAD RECKONED ON. A WRESTLING MATCH, THEY CALLED OUT, QUITE IN A PLEASANT HUMOUR AGAIN, THOUGH WHAT THEY'D BE AFTER, NOBODY COULD SAY. HO wop!" CRIES OUT OLD CALLARD, PRETTY WELL BESIDE HIMSELF WITH EXCITEMENT and the children seeing kester and remembering their lessons folded their hands very primly over their stomachs and sang out bull-baiting's bad which would have made me laugh if i hadn't been so uneasy in mind about kester a ring make a ring ah chaps there's a nice smooth bit of turf there says kester pointing to a place close by the water so they made a ring there. Kester stripped off his coat and waistcoat, and Huglet took off his unwilling. There were some hasty wagers made, then they set to at it. I thought Huglet would crush every one of Kester's bones, but no, Kester was hard and a practised wrestler, and when Huglet seemed to have got him safe and sure, he was out of his grip ready to start all over again. At a three times Huglet bore him back till his one shoulder very near touched the ground, but each time he rustled free, sharp and sudden, so it was only a foil and didn't account. I was in a terror all the while that Huglet, by his great strength, would break esther's back, and I could see he'd dearly like to for he'd forgotten everything but hate of the man who'd twice robbed him of his sport i wondered why kester didna try by some feint to get him down but fellina whispered he's got summat in mind weaver has he's tarrying for summat all the while kester kept edging nigher to the water and i wondered at it for the mud was very slippery there then all in a minute it was done though how it was done i never knew to this day kester said it was a new throw he'd learnt in the city anyway in the blink of an eye huglet was flung not only onto the ground but clean out into the water he went in souse, and when he struggled out which he did with a deal of difficulty for he'd gone all his length and the mud was very sticky there was such a roar of laughter that he blenched and indeed he was a comical sight miller who stood by smiled for the first time in anybody's memory as if to say another kit-kat in the water kester stood a minute breathed with the tremendous heave getting his wind then he took rein from callard put foot in stirrup and was in the saddle I'd leaf, says Felina, low, I'd leaf beyond that saddle afore you, weaver. I never saw such worship as was in her green eyes. But he took no manner notice. Prue, he said. I rose up. Did I say at the harvesting at Sand that it was to be towards or from it? He asked me. Towards. I could only whisper it. Come here, then, Prue Woodseaves. He stooped. He set his arms about me. He lifted me to the saddle. It was just as in the dream I had. And as in that dream, Felina looked up, imploring, and he took no account of her. And the noise of the people sank away, the laughter and the curses of Huglet and Grimble. The clapping of the Callard children, And the high voice of Grandfather Callard Telling of a wrestling match Nearly a century ago. All sank, all faded in the quiet air. There was only the evening wind lifting the boughs Like a lover lifting his maid's long hair. "'Tabor on, old nag,' says Kester, And we were going at a canter Towards the blue and purple mountains.' but no i said it mun be from it kester you mun marry a girl like a lily see i be hair shotten but he wouldna listen he wouldna I. only after i'd pleaded again myself a long while he pulled up sharp and looking down into my eyes he said no more sad talk i've chosen my bit of paradise Tis on your breast, my dear acquaintance. And when he'd said those words, He bent his comely head, And kissed me full upon the mouth. Here ends the story of Prudence San. End of Book Four, Chapter Seven And End of Precious Bane by Mary Webb